0: Welcome back to the Lottery Podcast. I'm your host, John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports with March Madness. The Masters Major League Opening Day right around the corner. Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part... You'll receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BlueWire to revive your literal literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to in your ears right now. Again, that's promo code BlueWire, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's do it. I apologize. No guest this week. He canceled on me last second. He's got to reschedule for a couple of weeks, um, but he's a good guest. He's worth the wait. Um, and in the meantime, uh, on Bleacher Report on Friday morning, I will be releasing my updated top 50 prospect rankings. So this podcast should be released around the same time. I figured let's do it. Let's uh, let's go through my, my top 50. I haven't done an update in six weeks or so. And I think over the six weeks past six weeks, I've made some pretty serious Changes, uh, guys. Who I was just waiting on uh, to feel better about with more consistency, and and they've kind of delivered with that consistency, which in turn has really strengthened their credibility to me. So a lot of changes, um, and so let's do it. So I, I won't spend too much time on number one, Lamella Ball. I've had him there since November. Um, you've heard my spiel before. At six seven, uh, with his playmaking ability, uh, his ball handling. I'm I'm just so confident that he's going to continue to be able to create easy shots for his teammates. I mean, that's his bread and butter. That's what he can hang his hat on. That's what will be his moneymaker, making the game easier for the four guys around him with his, with his special vision and passing skills, but also the size, uh, which keeps seeming to get bigger, by the way, to execute those passes. So I, I see his floor, you know, being a high-level assist guy, but also I'm buying into the scoring upside. I'm betting on him improving. I know he wasn't very efficient overseas, but at 18 years old, his body isn't there yet. I think he's a very good finisher, you know, numbers aside. He's got a really impressive finishing package with both hands. Um, he's shown a tremendous touch on his floater. He's got a lot of shot-making ability, right? He can make every shot in the book. Um, but it just comes down to making them, you know, at a better rate. And so can he improve his jumper? I I think it's worth betting on uh, with all the other things he has going for him. And also, let's be honest, this is not this draft doesn't scream... Star power. There's not another obvious answer there. I know Anthony Edwards has a lot of star power. He also has a lot of questions. And uh, Edwards is number two on my board. I just watched him last night, drop 36 points. I mean, he's a frustrating guy because he's so talented. And when he's on, um, you know, good defense isn't enough. And so um, for that reason, I'm just positive he's going to be a big scorer in the NBA, right? But there are a lot of big scores. The question is, can that scoring production translate to winning basketball? That's the big question with Edwards. His team isn't particularly great. I don't know if that's necessarily a reflection on Edwards uh, more so than it is on you know, just a, a team that lacks stability, lacks uh, guys you can just rely on night in and night out. But um, Edwards, I mean, again, the, the flash plays, his highlights are incredible. He can create separation with a number of high-level footwork moves. His shot-making ability is A+. plus. Right, He can pull up from 30 feet away. He can hit you with uh, a step back in the corner and um, other really impressive high-level ways to create his own shot and then make his own shot. And then when he wants to, he gets to the basket of the wheel. It's not just plow through guys with that 6'5", 225-pound frame, but he's got really good footwork to elude defenders. He could finish with both hands, and I, he could obviously you know, throw it down on you the other day. Um, who was it against? Uh, I can't remember. Um, it was against Vanderbilt. He had that probably the highlight of his season. He just kind of took off from you know behind the dotted circle and just you know slammed it right over some guy and uh, made him look helpless. And you know he did his little dance afterwards. And He's got that little swagger to him sometimes. Uh, you know he doesn't show the most professionalism. And I wonder, you know, how is he going to evolve? Uh, uh, not just not just in terms of his skill level, but mentally, as he gets older, is he going to be able to you know stop trying to be the hero guy? And start trying to be the guy who makes the winning plays. But I still, in this particular draft, you can't really nitpick. And uh, he's going to be a, a 20, 25 point scorer in the NBA. Um, you know, is he going to be Zach Levine or is he going to be um, somebody who makes more of an impact on winning? But anyway, um, Edwards, yeah, has to be there at number two, I think, at this point. And number three, I've moved up uh, Denny Evdia, who's been terrific overseas. And then just the other day, Eurobasket qualifier, playing with Israel's senior team, goes for 21 points. I mean, now he's doing it in all settings, uh, the Israeli league, where he's actually stepped up as a top option. He kind of looks more like the guy uh, over the summer and, and, um, and uh, the European Championships U-20s when he won MVP, and he was the number one option, creating his own shot, pull-up threes. You know, he hit one uh, the other day against Romania. Um, but overseas, he's just been very efficient. Um, he plays the right way, and I know there are questions about his shot uh, right now, he's actually shooting forty-one percent in the Israeli league, thirty-five percent. I'm talking three-point percentages in EuroLeague, um, and his free throw percentage is just like a weird, a weird flaw. Uh, and maybe it's just um, you know a mental thing. I mean, you know, a lot of times we say a free throw percentage is more indicative or more telling than three-point percentage, uh, but I'm I'm going the other way in this case. I, I, I look at his three ball. I think that he's he's going to be a shooter. Um, or at least at worst, um, a very threatening shot maker. And I think eventually he'll pick up the free throw percentage, but otherwise he's the most complete player in this draft. Six, eight, uh, maybe not the most explosive, but very fluid, very versatile skill package in terms of ball handling, passing, shot making, um, crashing the offensive glass for, for easy uh, put back chances. And I think he's going to be a plus defender. Uh, He's already shown really impressive defensive IQ um, in terms of reacting and rotating. Um, but at 6'8", again, he, he continues to get stronger. I think he's be able to guard fours. He's shown good quickness and, again, reaction time, um, which makes me think he'll be able to guard wings. Uh, he has the ability to make plays on the ball with steals and shot blocking. Uh, whether or not he is a, uh, an NBA All-Star, I don't know. But I just, again, feel really confident in his ability to be a high-level starter um, and uh, just a really safe option in this draft. I've moved Isaac Okoro. Um, actually, I think I'm moving him down to 5'. He was number two. That was a little ambitious of me um, because I just, there were a lot of guys who just weren't popping. I, I just, a guy I felt safe with Okoro. Um, I moved him down to five. At number four, I'm getting really excited about Killian Hayes, um, the French point guard playing in Germany, uh, who just really continues to show flashes of his scoring ability. Six five, he always had that. Uh, the, the draw to Killian Hayes was his passing playmaking for a six five point guard. Um, but this year, He's really shown flashes of, of improved scoring ability with step backs, with pull-ups. His three-point percentage is up. He's still shooting 88% from the free throw line. Um, and uh, his floaters, he's shooting over 60% around the basket. Uh, you know, We've seen a lot of point guards over the past couple of years come out who don't need the athleticism for their games to translate. You know, Trey Young and Doncic come to mind. And Hayes isn't that explosive athlete either, but he's quick enough and he's becoming skilled enough off the dribble, where I don't think the the lack of bounce or explosion is going to matter too much. He's got good size, footwork to separate in different ways. Very crafty player. Passing is going to translate fourth in Euro Cup and passing at 18 years old. Um, and I'm just buying. I think he's I think he's a starting NBA point guard at this point, um, and just somebody worth betting on given his age, all the flashes plus all the production he's got overseas. Um, number five again, Okoro, safe bet. If you took him at number two overall, I'd say it's a bit of a reach, but, you know, you you can't knock taking a player who you're just so confident is going to be able to guard positions, you know, three, four, maybe some small ball fives, you know, the way P.J. Tucker does. Um, And uh, he's even shown some playmaking ability. Uh, He doesn't get the opportunity to do it much at Auburn, but he's attacking spot ups now, uh, attacking from spot ups, putting the ball down um, and kicking it out on the move. His three ball, he hit one the other day. I mean, the the made threes with Okoro are more, to me, they they mean something more than the misses. He's clearly not going to jump into the NBA right away and be a three-point shooter. But like one scout said to me, I think he's got the chance to be, you know, eventually after four or five years in the league, the way Marcus Smart is. Not somebody you can really rely on for three-point efficiency, but somebody you can rely on to make three or two every single game and then maybe catch fire once in a while. Uh, But otherwise, over 60% inside the arc, makes the right plays, Makes the right reads, the right finishes, the right passes. He's just a guy who can't... You know, he can have a bad game and still not hurt your team. Um, And then a good game, obviously, he just has the ability to impact. He missed three games this past week, or past two weeks with a hamstring injury, and and Auburn lost two of them. Um, So he's just a total impact over stats guy. Take him anywhere from number two uh, to number seven or so. Um, Who do we have at number six? Uh, Anyeko Okangu. Man, he's he's just... uh, I know that the game is kind of fading away from big guys who aren't three-point shooters or face-up players, but he's so good in the post. Um, And I'm positive that his easy buckets are going to translate because of his 6'9", 245 size, his athleticism, his energy. He's averaging nearly three blocks per game in under 30 minutes. Super active, even if he doesn't have the greatest discipline in general. Uh, He's going to be a very disruptive defender around the basket. And again, offensively, I mean, the other day, 21 points, he put added a flurry of post moves with his spin move um, back to the basket into a dunk. He uh, separated it into a couple lefty hook shots. Uh, he can face up. He's got euro steps in his bag You know, from, from within you know a respectable amount of distance, maybe not the three-point arc, but he can face you up from the mid-range and knock down that short jumper or attack you. He's a very, uh, he's a good offensive player. He's a better offensive player than James Wiseman is, both as a scorer and a passer. He doesn't have Wiseman's 7'1", 240 size, 7'6", wingspan. But it's not like at 6'9", 245, he's at a major disadvantage. Plus, again, the, the skill level, he's a higher energy player. Um, another safe pick for me, Okangwu at number six. Number seven, they got Tyrese Maxey. I'm not letting the numbers scare me too much. We've seen too many from these Kentucky guards in the past. Hero, Devin Booker, who play within the system. We find out more in the NBA that they could do uh, more than they were able to show at Kentucky. And I think um, while Maxey has some definite question marks, I think he fits that mold of a guy like Hero, who's going to be better pro than he was a college player. And and also uh, Maxey sharing the ball with Quickly, sharing the ball with Higgins. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's not his show to run completely there at Kentucky. I think he's really strong around the basket. He's going to continue to dra- He's really efficient driving and finishing after contact now, and with that 200-pound frame and his coordination, some of the moves he pulls out, uh, he just looks like a pro, and I know he's shooting 29% from three, but again, I'm buying the made shots over the misses. I think his three-point percentage is going to go up in the pros. He's got a good floater game, a good pull-up game. I don't know if he's you know, he's obviously not a point guard, right? That's the big question mark. He's six three, and he's going to have to play two guard. He's not really an explosive athlete. Um, I wish he was a better playmaker. You know, he's kind of like a, a Donovan Mitchell type without the explosiveness, and that's the the big question mark with him. You're going to have to play um, a more natural facilitator with him um, because he's just not doesn't have that that point guard feel. He's a scorer that lacks size and athleticism, but I think he's tough, strong enough. Um, and I think he's skilled enough and versatile enough to make it work. At number eight, Cole Anthony. I mean, I'm not jumping off the wagon. I'd say eight is pretty low you know, relative to where he had early in the season. Um, of course, we've talked all year about his tough situation at North Carolina. They ranked 340 get a 353 teams, team three-point percentage. I mean, there's no space there. He's the only guy who can create his own shot. Uh, and when he's forced to drive, he's often driving straight, into crowds, he's going to have a lot more space at the next level. Um, I've compared him all year, at least in terms of the, the the type of guy I think he's going to be at the next level. Maybe a Jamal Murray, uh, maybe a better Colin Sexton. I'm kind of losing a little bit of faith in his ability to run a team. And I know again he doesn't have many options. He's forced to shoot over, you know, sit back and and make the right reads as a passer. Um, three point eight assists, three point six turnovers, and that was a big question coming into the year. You know, can he? Can he balance scoring with passing? Can he get his, his teammates involved instead of try and hunt for his own shot and take over the game himself all the time? However, you know, like Jamal Murray, I, I think if, I think he's going to be a scorer. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm interested in the idea of him going to a team that has already a point guard in place and maybe playing, you know, Cole Anthony off the ball. Like, how about playing Cole Anthony alongside or Drew Holiday or Alon- alongside Alonzo Ball? Cole is you know, strong frame, long arms. I think he's going to be able to guard a lot of two guards. He's athletic. Um, he makes plays on the ball. Um, I'm not jumping off again, Anthony's wagon. I am questioning whether or not he's the guy you want running your team, but I think he's going to score a lot of points in the NBA. I think he's a, a guy who can drop 20 a game um, in his prime. I moved Dayton Obi topping into the top 10 at number nine. I mean, he had 28 points against Duquesne the other night and uh, a lot of highlights. You know, he's number two in the country in dunks. He's just so explosive. He's a, He's a walking easy bucket. Um, but he also hit three threes and man, you you think about his ability to dominate around the basket, but also bring you outside and hit the three, he also ranks above the 90th, 90th percentile on post-ups. He's gotten much skilled, not just in terms of getting a shot off and, and converting around the post, but passing. I think he's going to add value as a passer. The big question with Toppin, I mean, he could be a guy who averages 20 and 10, but the question is how much does his defense bring down his value? You know, remind, I, I've t- talked a lot about Obi Toppin and the guy like John Collins. Collins is... You know, a 2010 guy, but we don't really think of him as a star player because he's, you know, he's probably um, a negative on defense. And so it also, there's been a lot of Amari, Amari Stoudemire comparisons to Toppin. And, you know, same thing. How do we evaluate Amari's career? He was such a big stats guy in terms of offense and scoring and rebounding. Uh, but but the defense, you know, he was kind of just so easy to score and it negated so much of his offense. I probably shouldn't have brought up Amari. He's one of my favorite players of all time and uh, a total, you know, all-star year after year. Uh, Toppin would be, uh, that would be a fantastic ceiling comparison for for Obi to get to. But what I'm saying is I'm positive that he's going to be a force around the basket. He's going to be a scorer, a big-time offensive player, um, but he's definitely slow to react defensively. His rebounding numbers are, are pretty, pretty uh, underwhelming, actually, um, for a guy his size uh, and playing in that conference, and so uh, there are definitely question marks about his value, but not his future production. And so that the fact that I question his value is why I have him outside the top five and not inside the top five, even though I'm pretty confident that this guy is going to be somebody who can one day average you know twenty and eight. Um, at number ten, James Wiseman is there. Uh, just based on his physical profile all year, you probably know by now, I, I'm not, I don't see a star in him. He's just not the type of guy I would take at the top of a draft in today's NBA. Um, big guy who, who doesn't really shoot, had one assist in 69 minutes at Memphis, and uh, I don't really see him as a very switchable defender. He's going to block shots just based on the 7'6 wingspan alone, but you know, Mo Bamba has a 7'9 wingspan, and who cares? He's not really an impact player. Um can Wiseman really, really build on his skill level um, and his his general awareness and energy? That, that's what's going to make him uh, a steal at number 10. But otherwise, you know, he's going to get you easy baskets. He's going to block shots. He'll get your rebounds, putbacks. Um, and that's, you know, that's fine and all. It's just, you know, there's so many other guys I'd rather reach on than, than a rim runner in today's NBA. But sure, late lottery, I, I don't see how you can hate on on taking him there because uh, I'm pretty confident he's an NBA player um, and probably an NBA starting player for a long time, again, just based on his physical profile. And then there's, again, that potential to improve. Can he eventually add the jumper? Can he eventually be a go-to player in the post? And, uh, and can he really build up his defensive IQ to the point where the shot blocking and the rim protection actually translates to defensive impact? At number 11, I have Tyrese Halliburton, Broke his wrist out for the season. Um, I mean, it's at this point, we kind of know what he is, so it's not that big of a deal. But I think for NBA teams, they're probably not happy, or at least they're praying that he makes it back for workouts because he's got such a funky, like weird jumper that you really want to see up close in person and, and, and watch him take pull ups and stuff because he was, you know, shot in the, you know, I think around 26% on pull up jumpers uh, before going down. Anyway, I started with the negatives on Halliburton. I don't know why. The positives are that another guy who he can just feel certain. Is going to make, is going to have something to bring to the table with his passing. Um, one of the best assist guys over the past season. I know it wasn't a full season, uh, but I'm thinking also dating back to FIBA over the summer when he had like a spectacular assist to turnover ratio, like seven plus assists to under two turnovers per game. Um, and 6'5 size, I mean, he's going to be be able to continue executing these passes, setting the table, and pick and rolls, and just a guy you could also throw off the ball. Actually, another good stat with Ty Halliburton, he ranked in the 99th percentile in spot-ups. So with his size and his versatility, he could play on or off the ball, catch and shoot, um, set up teammates in, in the pick and roll game, and he's averaging two and a half steals per game. I mean, he's got quick hands, good instincts defensively. Um, if compared him to Lonzo Ball all year. I think for the right team, he might be worth taking top ten, like the Knicks. You know, the Knicks have been. I mean, I guess it depends what the Knicks pick, but a team like the Knicks who just have not had a smart decision maker at the point guard position for, I don't remember the last time. Um, this will be an interesting, interesting uh, addition to your to your lineup. Next to R.J. Barrett, so um, he's a Lonzo Ball type guy. He obviously has his limitations. I don't buy him ever being a twenty-point scorer. I mean, I think if you hope in the NBA, he gets to fifteen points a game, that would be uh, that'll be a bonus. But you, the really value to Halliburton is his uh, ability to make the game easier for teammates, and also uh, this versatility where he can be flexible and spot up shoot off the ball. Uh, number twelve. We have R.J. Hampton. I've kind of had him in this same mix, eight to number twelve, pretty much all season. Um, there's a lot to like. There's you know nothing to to really love about about R.J. Hampton. And start with what we like. Six five. He's athletic. Um, he can play make for others. He can make open shots. He's really good at attacking the basket. Um, and he shows signs of defensive uh, defensive IQ and and be able to make reads and plays on the ball. And on the negative side with R.J. Hampton, he's not a great shooter. Um, He's not really a point guard. Um, Doesn't always have the greatest touch around the basket. Um, And so, you know, he's good at a lot of things. He's not great in any. And so anyway, I've just decided late lottery makes sense. He's 18 or he might just turn 19. I hear a ton of great things about the kid. I've never met him, but in terms of his character off the floor, um, I've heard a ton of great things about him. So I think late lottery um, is a safe place to put him. Number 13, Devin Vassell, Florida State. He was a big mover in my last update he Miga's I'm pretty good with him somewhere, um, in that in, in the teens this year. Six six, shooting over forty percent from downtown, and just a very convincing defender, both on and off the ball. Uh, he's just—he looks like an NBA three and D wing who can who can come in right away, assuming uh, the shooting translates. Big time athlete, um, just a very safe, maybe not a, such a high ceiling guy, but a really high floor guy, and, and a type of player who's valued in today's NBA. But his teammate Patrick Williams making a jump up to number 14. he's um, His stock is up. If we were to do stock watch, he might lead off the segment. Uh, Williams, 6'8". Six, six, he's been scoring uh, much easier over the past couple of games. Um, of course, um, the draw to Pat Williams is a 6'8", powerful frame um, that he's playing. You know, both He could play three through five, pretty much. Uh, offensively, we've seen flashes of live dribble passing, running pick and rolls. Um, he's shown touch on his pull-up on his three ball when set um, and just an animal attacking the basket really just plows through contact. Um, and, you know, not, not explosive burst, but athletic burst. He, it looks good out there. It looks smooth. He's fluid. He gets himself dunks um, and defensively um, he's good off the ball on the ball. I don't know if he's going to be able to guard around the perimeter, but he's his toughness. He's going to find ways to compensate. I think he's going to be best used as a power forward, um, where his quickness will be optimized. And again, I think he has the strength to man up with fours and bring him outside around the perimeter and and, and make life uncomfortable for them uh, when he's on offense because of his versatility. Uh, And just an intangibles type guy. I think he's an impact player. Uh, I really like Pat Williams um, as somebody who's certainly grown on me as the season has progressed. He started for me in the 20s, and he's gradually just kind of uh, eased his way up. And now I think if you take him in the lottery, I think that's totally um, acceptable at number 15 villanova Sadiq bay one of the best shooters in the country just immediately pops off the screen with six eight, 215 pound frame i um, mean this year he's shooting over 46 percent from three it seems like he has a good shooting night every single night last night it was uh four of eight from downtown against st john's physical driver an, another guy who just uh, takes contact scores through it on drives on on floaters you're averaging two and a half assists per game. He's, he's a good passer. He's actually uh, grades in the 75th percentile better and, and as a pick and roll ball handler. Um, he's got to improve his pull-up a little bit. Defensively, you'd you think he'd be better just based on his tools than I think he is because he's just not as quick as you'd like him to be. But um, I think he'll be able to guard a lot of different forwards out there. Um, and just a smart player. Another uh, Villanova product. You, you just feel safe about Bay with his physical tools, his shooting and basketball IQ. At number 16, I moved down Nico Mannion. I'm just having a tougher time picturing a, a high-level NBA starting point guard. I think he's an NBA player, um, but we've seen you know, he just shot over 40% in the game for the first time all month. And I think my big question with Mannion coming in was, you know, without the length, without the explosion, is he going to be able to continue creating separation? Um, and and I think he's having trouble this year, uh, and that's kind of problematic. But he is a, you know, I think he's a better shooter than the, the three point percentage suggests I think he's in the low thirties at this point. Um, he's he's a good he's averaging nearly six assists per game. So I, I buy his pat. He's just a very skilled player, very versatile for a guard um, with the catch and shoot jumper, with his pull up potential, with his floater, um, and with his passing. But he never gets to the rim. You know he's got like thirteen made shots at the rim all season in the half court. And defensively, he is not going to be a plus. Um, I think, again, I think he's an NBA player. I think uh, he can help somebody, but he's going to need the right fit. Or maybe he can come off the bench, be a six-man type, be a, a high-level backup. Um, but I have a tough time taking him in the top 10. But anyways, number 16, nothing to uh, nothing to, to, to go crazy about. I still think he's a near-lottery point guard, and, and uh, he's going to be an NBA player. Um, this is where it gets a little interesting for me, because I put a lot of international guys um in the next group 17 I have Aaron Naismith who's out for the season I've talked a lot about him a lot I think he's arguably the best shooter in the draft he can't create it all he's got 13 assists in 500 minutes all season but he's such a good shooter when 6'6 six, six size um, by the way the numbers are 52 percent on eight point two three point attempts per game so uh, I know he's down early he went down early and, and only got 14 games but a big sample size of threes and he was money more than half the time um Again, this is where it gets interesting. I have a big group of international guys here. Um and, and I'm, a couple of them made big jumps for me. Starting with um Leandro Balmaro, I'm um, playing with Barcelona's uh, second team. He's been really I know it's uh it's the LEB Gold LEB um silver division in Spain. It's not the highest level competition, but he's putting up like top numbers in that league. Um he's 19 and the flashes um, are just very, very convincing. And over the years, I mean, he's played at Nike who summit before. So he's not like an unknown or anything. Um, and, and scouts are certainly tracking him. He's tough to see. He's tough for me to see um, online. He's certainly tough for scouts to see in person. Uh, but he is, uh, the more you watch him, um, the more you you say, wow. I mean, this is a guy who I'd rather gamble on um, as opposed to some of the other NCAA players who, you know, like Jaden McDaniels and, and Trey Jones and Josh Green, all nice prospects, but have plenty of question marks. I think at this point, I've seen a lot of those NCAA guys. I'm getting more comfortable. Uh, I'm more um, eager to want to bet on some of these international guys who might have a little more upside, being that they're um, you know, 18, 19, and, and they don't get to really showcase what they're able to do overseas. But anyway, I moved Balmaro up to number 18 overall. 6'7". He's a fant- really flashy passer, exciting off the dribble. Three-point percentage isn't great, but... He's clearly shown he can make threes, um, and uh, a potential active, versatile defender. Um, just a really interesting type prospect with his six seven size, his ability to create and pass, um, and, and get to the basket, and also make open shots. There's a he brings a lot. He potentially brings a lot to the table, and he's just becoming one of those uh, flyers. I'm I'm moving up because I'm uh, I'm being more enticed uh, by a guy like him, and, and the same thing goes with my number nineteen guy, uh, Pokusevsky, um, who was playing with Olympiacos? He actually just surfaced in Euroleague with uh, Olympiacos. He played two minutes, and like people were like, "Whoa, he played two minutes!" It was actually a big deal because he'd been in Greece's second division. He'd been hurt. Nobody had really heard from him. Um, he generated a lot of attention this past summer with Serbia um, in FIBA play. When I mean, his seven foot, he averaged almost four assists, almost one and a half threes, over four blocks per game. It's really an interesting mix of boxes that he checks with his seven six seven foot size unbelievably fluid shooting and creation ability you have to dribble plus the shot blocking um, these high level passes he's not anybody who's going to come into the nba right away and make an impact but in terms of potential in terms of you know guy he's one of those potential unicorn type guys and again as we get deeper into this draft um, it becomes more enticing to want to gamble on a guy like pokusevsky Um, than it is to take, like, a a senior in in college, you know? Um, And so, honestly, I've started to do more um, scouting on him, watching more old tape. Now that he's back, I can't wait to see if he gets more of a role uh, with Olympiacos in EuroLeague. But, um, yeah, I I mean, I've gone back, and, man, his highlights, sure, he has plenty of low lights. He's not very efficient right now. He's rail thin, and he's not built for contact. But the highlights just continue to, uh, you know, expand my imagination and make me more eager to want to bet on a guy uh like poku number 20 tail maladon french point guard uh, playing for ASVEL in Euroleague. he's had really good games lately at a 20.7 assist game um, and then he has quiet games the um it comes and goes i'm not gonna lie the french the, the frank de la disappointment has kind of carried over and made me a little bit wary of of guys like maladon i know it shouldn't they're two completely separate players and i'm trying to get that out of my head um but uh, it's kind of the it was the same kind of conversation where he's skilled um, but not very athletic, and we gave him um, props for being able to hold his own. You know, playing point guard, playing a game manager type role um, in the Jeep Elite League, um, and now for for Maladon in Euro League, which is you know the highest level outside the NBA, and he he holds his own. Um, he can pass, he can shoot off the dribble, he can spy up from three, uh, and he makes some pretty tough um, acrobatic finishes. Well, he doesn't really blow by guys, and I don't really see him creating that much separation one-on-one. Having said that, um, he, he's clearly a, a productive, a serviceable player in EuroLeague at 18 years old, um, and so uh, I think by the time he's in his 20s, he could be the same type of player in the NBA. I'm just not sure it's going to be as a high-level starting player. I think maybe more as a backup is a safer projection. Jaden McDaniels, I moved him down last update, and I haven't moved him down any further. He's at number 21 for me. Um, and uh, he's he's been hot from downtown. It kind of serves as a reminder um, not to – you can't really jump off McDaniel's wagon completely uh, 6'9 over the past – what was it? A couple games, uh, five games, he's 11-24 to from downtown. He's very smooth offensively. He just only shoots 40% from the floor and has a 20% turnover percentage. So he's not really – he's so far away from being ready for NBA play, uh, and we love the idea of him, of a 6'9 guy who can face up and create – Um, and knock down threes but he's just too far away to trust right now Uh, at 22 Tyrell Terry is a guy who I moved up just because he continues to do it Um, and uh, you know I was waiting for him to hit a wall as a freshman and he doesn't he's been very consistent all year Um, and um, one of those guys where I know I know you know he's not super explosive he's 6'1 160 he's probably a two-year college guy although I don't know you never know what happens if he tests the waters and, and teams want him to leave. Um, but I, it's one of those guys where I'm valuing his skill level is so high uh, that, again, another one of those point guards who, there's, when their skill level is so high, it makes you kind of um, breathe a little bit easier about their lack of tools and athleticism. Um, and uh, Terry is shooting like 90% from the free throw line, 40% from threes. Uh, he only averages three and a half assists per game, but he's sharing the ball, um, in Stanford with a junior, uh, point guard and, um, shoots on and off the ball, just super efficient, highly skilled. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, again, I'm just not super concerned. I think he's an NBA player. Um, whether he's a starting level point guard, I'm not really sure, but he's in the 20s. He's not uh, top 10. Um, and I think if, um, if I were an NBA team working, you know, working for a playoff team this year, and he tested the waters. I try and encourage him to come out because uh, when I look at the other guys on the board, I just think he's uh, there's a lot more appeal. He's a much more sexier pick than the guy like Trey Jones, who I have twenty three, or Josh Green twenty four, who can't create his own shot or make threes consistently, or Precious Achua, who I think is more of a backup. I'll get to these guys in a second. But I think there's there's a lot more sexiness to a guy like Tyrell Terry at Stanford um, than any of those guys. Anyway, Trey Jones. All year he's been that guy in the fifteen to twenty five range, you know. If you move him up a few spots, that's fine. If you move him back a few spots, I understand as well. Safe, safe bet. I think the hope is he turns into a Marcus Smart type player. Um, but worst case, I think he's just a you know a backup game manager who uh, you value for his passing IQ and defensive toughness. Josh Green, a, a twenty, same thing. If you if you have him at eighteen, fine. If you have him at twenty eight, no big deal either. Uh, he is what he is. He's a high energy, explosive athlete. Big time transition player, a very active defender. I don't know if he can create his own shot. I don't know if he'll ever be able to make threes at a consistent basis. Um, but uh, again, I, I think he's, he's the type of guy who can make an impact with his energy and athleticism alone. 25 presses a Chua. Uh, you know, he's averaging a double double and 1.8 blocks and 1.2 steals. And that's pretty much just by using his physical tools 6'10. 225, very mobile. I'm just not buying the skill set. I don't think he's ever going to be a three-point shooter. Um, And, uh, you know, he's shooting 58% from the free throw line. I'm just not buying the shot. And I'm not buying any ability to create his own shot. He ranks in the 25th percentile in post-ups, 24th percentile in spot-ups. He's a sky-high turnover rate. Um, So he's not somebody I trust with the ball in his hands, but I think he's a guy who can come in and make plays off the ball and then make defensive plays as well, uh, guarding a couple of positions. 26, Kyra Lewis. Um, the fact that he's still 18, I mean, I'm, we say it every time. You have to say it every time you mention Kyra Lewis because it's so unique So unique to have a an 18-year-old sophomore point guard scoring 18 uh, and dishing out five assists per game. Uh, he just had 27 the other night. I mean, he's he can put the ball in the basket. He can break down defense as he gets to the rim. Uh, the question is, is he going to be able to execute against NBA-level defenders? Um, he's not very explosive or strong. He doesn't really create a lot of separation for himself around the perimeter. And he has 35% from downtown um, for the second straight year. Uh, Not a high level pull-up guy. Uh, But again, 18, he's 18 and he's had a lot of good experience, super productive for his age uh, in the SEC. And, um, and you know, the NBA values guys who can get into the teeth of the defense. And that's really what I think his signature and value is going to be about. He can, get into that into debate and make things happen. And, and uh, hopefully for him, he'll be able to finish despite the physical limitations and he'll be able to make better reads as a passer um, as he gets older. I have Jalen Smith from Maryland cracking the top 30 first time. Uh, he's on pace to be the only player, or one of five players, I should say, in the sports reference database um, to average a double-double uh, and a three-pointer in two blocks. It's really just a good... Another guy who checks impressive boxes um, or an appealing set of boxes that may not scream NBA All Star, but a big guy who's physical around the basket, who could also stretch the floor as a three point shooter and block shots. You know, I mean, I think he's an NBA player. Uh, I think he uh, he's a, a backup, maybe, but that's fine. If you can get a backup who could stretch the floor in the late 20s of this draft, I think he'd come away with a win. 28, Isaiah Stewart. Um, again, nothing so exciting about his game. He's. Yeah, he's productive uh, at Washington uh, for a team that just loses so many games, by the way. They're frustrating in general, not Stewart's fault. Um, But he's not a shooter. He's not a versatile defender. He's a low post guy who's going to give you offensive rebounds um, and and toughness, and he's an enforcer. Um, If you wanted to take him at 20 because he's so an NBA player, yeah, sure, that's fine for for the right team. Um, He might be worth ranking a little bit higher. But I don't know how you want to really reach on him in the draft. There's just nothing sexy about Stewart's upside. 29. I moved Grant Riller from Charleston, who um, I mean he is a big time scorer. Averaged 21 last year, 18 the year before. He's at 21 again this season. Um, the numbers kind of on the surface look the same, uh, and but they're much better underneath. He's improved his pull up percentage like a, a tremendous amount, and that's a big key for any guard who's going to be handling the ball a lot. Um, 43% from pull ups. And uh, a guy who was 39% in spot ups last year, this year he's 53% on spot ups So um, on and off the ball, he's a big-time scorer. Maybe he's not your typical point guard, um, but uh, he's just so good at creating his own shot um, and making tough ones and finding little spaces as a finisher. I mean, he's really fishing around the basket despite lacking explosiveness. Um, I hope he gets a little more national attention um, as we close out the year because Riller is a ridiculous offensive player. Um, and uh, I think at some point, I think he's just too good, even if the competition he's playing is mediocre. Um, and, and he obviously lacks uh, much explosiveness to his game um, or athletic ability, but 6'3", 190 with his skill level and production. I mean, uh, another guy I'm just in late first round. Let me, let me take a chance on that. Number 30, I have Cassius Winston, who, um, He's growing on me. Listen, he, I, it's a weird thing to say for a senior who has played so many big games, but Winston to me, um, I, I'm just—I've seen so many successful um, like junior and senior college guards who were so great in college, and then we always questioned, well, can they do it in the NBA if they're older, they're not super athletic? Well, a lot of them have carved out careers um, from Devonte Graham, Jalen Brunson. Uh, Shabazz Napier, Monty Morris, uh, Javon Carter. Now, uh, at the at the end of the first round or early second round, I mean, I think you're getting such good value with a guy like like Winston. Who, yeah, he may never be a starting point guard, but somebody who is older who can probably come in right away and give you some minutes. He shot over 40% from downtown in three of his four years. We know he can make outside shots. We know he's a, a really high IQ passer, um, averaging over five, nearly six assists per game this year, um, and uh, just uh, just somebody you trust with the ball in his hands, who brings that veteran maturity and leadership um, to your second unit. I mean, I think at this point of a draft, um, if you're a veteran playoff team and you're not. Yeah, and you're looking for just like an extra punch for your for your playoff push next year, and you don't see any young prospects that are worth you know waiting three years to develop, I think Winston's a fine pick at the end of the first round, and somebody who's certainly um, changed my opinion, I guess, over the course of obviously his career, but even this season alone. At 31, I have Robert Woodard from Mississippi State. Strong, 6'7", 230, uh, plays the 3 and 4, probably plays in 5, shooting over 40% from downtown, although... The sample size is small. I um, mean, he's just a really tough, versatile, quick defender. I mean, I, I love his defense and shooting potential and, and offensive efficiency. He's not going to take any bad shots. He'll take the good ones. And I think he can make those good ones while adding value defensively. I think he's a nice role player waiting to be picked up. Thirty-two, one of the biggest risers on my board, Tyler Bay from Colorado. I always questioned if he had really an NBA fit, um, but I'm st- I stopped worrying about whether he's six seven or six you nine. Know, I don't. But is that two inches really going to make a difference? make or break of the guy career. Um, he's one of the best at, at contesting shots defensively. He's very active. He anticipates. He's athletic. I think he's be able to guard multiple positions um, and really guard around the perimeter, but also make good rotations and, and again, contest around the basket. And offensively, um, he doesn't take a lot of jumpers, but he's making like 49% of the ones he's taking. And the eye test suggests that he should be taking more jumpers. They look good. Uh, and he, occasionally he knocks down the three from time to time. And he's one of the best rebounders in the country. 19% rebounding percentage. Um, really, really, just a unique out of the box type player. But in the second round, I'm willing to bet out of the box. Uh, and I think um, I think Bay has a chance to be really uh, interesting, unique type of contributor. Uh, maybe not your traditional forward, but I think if he's given the right opportunity where he can play to his strengths um, and his shot continues to develop, he's got a future. At number 33, I have Daniel Turo from Minnesota. I got a lot of heat. Um, from Minnesota fans for not having him top fifty, um, but I guess the consistency at this point, I just feel a little bit better with o um, who is uh, averaging twenty twelve almost three blocks a game, shooting a really high percentage, I forget off the top of my head between fifty five and sixty percent, and occasionally he makes three. I mean I watched him uh, and one of the most brutal losses i 've ever seen uh, Minnesota going down to Maryland. Maryland's Jalen Smith, but Oturo had another just like 30-10 game, hit a three. Uh, w- when, he, when he gets the ball around the block, he's very difficult to score. He plays through contact. He's got a good-looking mid-range jumper. Um, it reminds me of like, of uh, DeAndre Ayton mini version. Um, he's not 7-1, 240. Um, he's closer to 6-10 uh, and on the skinnier side, but he's tough. Uh, I know scouts who are really trying to get behind Oturo as an NBA player. I know some people who Think he's in the lottery i know some who think he's second round i think he's kind of a fringe first rounder to me um you know he's not your modern day switch defender um and i'm not so sure i'm buying the three-point shot and he doesn't really have the body to, to be such a, a physical the physical player he is now but at some point i think the production is too much the consistent production is too much to completely write off and if he's Continues to improve his jumper. Yeah, he's got a he's got a role uh, in the NBA, and I think yeah, sure, he's he's worth taking in the second round, at number thirty four, Vernon Carey, who, um, yeah, I mean you know he's, I, I laugh at Vernon Carey because he's just so outdated for today's NBA. He could be such an impact and dominant player in college. You know, everyone's going to mention the Jaleel Okafor thing, and Okafor was the same type of player and much better, and he still can't really carve out a positive NBA career. You know what does Carey do better than a guy like Okafer? I'm not really sure. Um, you know, at some point again, the production to me is just too much to to completely write off. He's averaging like 17 and nine. He's blocking shot one and a half shots per game, although not at a good rate. Five percent block percentage is not very good. Um, I'm, I don't know. I guess he's a guy. I guess you project him as a guy who can give you some easy baskets and and offensive rebounds, but nothing more. I I don't know how you could reach on carry in the top 20 of this draft. Um, Yeah, late first round, sure. But to me, again, I'd rather take a chance on some of the other bigs who could shoot better or on some of the more versatile forwards like Bay and Robert Woodard. Number 35, Saban Lee from Vanderbilt. It was a big riser on my board last year. He moves up even more spots. I mean, last year, last update. This update, he moves from early 40s to number 35, just put up 34 points against Georgia. I think if there was such thing as a driving specialist, it would be Saban Lee. He's just really explosive off the dribble, Uh, really does a good job of getting himself downhill. And then once he is downhill, he's very tough to stop, strong around the basket. I think he's going to put pressure on defenses at the next level just by constantly attacking. Of course, the jump shot is a swing skill that determines not only his NBA career, but how high his ceiling can go. Um, but, uh, he, man, he's he's so physical attacking the basket and so quick off the dribble and so much burst that I'm just – I see an NBA player, even if it's uh, I'm in a weird type of role, and he's only really good at that one thing, attacking and transition, getting downhill in those those pick and rolls, um, and finishing in the paint as a scorer on the basket. Yeah, sign me up for him as a, as a second-round pick. Malachi Flynn, San Diego State. One of those guys who's known as a great college basketball player, but we never really talk about as an NBA prospect. Well, I think it's time. Um, he's the, the leader for the 27-1 and one San Diego State Aztecs. Um, ridiculous three-point range. Pesky defender. High-level passer. Great assist-to-turnover ratio. Nah, he's not a great athlete. He's not very big. But second round, I think these guys are worth betting on. I mean, these guys are worth rolling the dice on. And Flynn, who I think has the chance to really improve his case in the NCAA tournament, he'd be one of the guys I bet on right now, improving his stock over the final month of the season. I have him in the mid-30s right now. um, I think he's got the chance to carve out a a career um, somewhere. You know, NBA, maybe EuroLeague, somewhere. Um, 37, Devon Dotson, Kansas point guard. Another guy who obviously has limitations, you know, not very... Explosive, not very tall, doesn't shoot the three very well, but he's the leading Big 12 scorer. He's uh, the leader for the number one team in the country at Kansas, and he's super quick off the dribble and very pesky defensively. I think he's a, a change of pace guy and worth thinking about in the second round. 38, Cassius Stanley. Um... Man, he's one of the best athletes in the draft. I mean, I know a lot of people have him higher than this. I know people who have him lower than this. Um, He's explosive. He's going to be an easy basket highlight machine around the basket. The question is, can he be a good enough three-point shooter? And the other night he had five threes. Um, I don't know if he's that good you know, as, of a shooter. He doesn't have much of a pull-up game, or uh, he's not very creative off the dribble. He averages one assist, which I hate, a number I hate for a wing player. He's not going to offer anything off the dribble in terms of creativity, uh, but he'll give you easy baskets. He's, a, he's an energetic, quick defender. It really comes down to, can he be a good enough three-point shooter? Um, his percentage is fine this year, you know, 38% or so, uh, but he doesn't take many threes, so it's tough to really buy um, but second round, yeah, anywhere in the second round, I think Stanley's worth betting on. Jamias Ramsey, Texas Tech, he just had one of his best games of the year and then followed it with an 0 of 8 stinker. Um, I, you know, he's got one of the most pretty, the prettiest jump shots in college basketball. He's six he's got a good frame, he's a shot maker, shooting 45% from downtown, and uh, it is a good looking jump shot. However, I'm not really buying. His basketball IQ at either end of the floor, I don't really see his... He's not. doesn't have much of a handle in terms of creating for himself. Um, unless it's a set jump shot, I just don't really feel confident that anything else of this game is going to translate. But uh, Sharon, the 30s, yeah, that, that's a nice upside pick. Uh, number 40, Aaron Henry. The numbers didn't... The, the jump didn't happen this year for Aaron Henry. He's still averaging 9.9 points on uh, 34.6% from three. You know how can you get behind that for a first round guy uh, even though it's not all about the numbers he's actually more of an impact guy you know his his numbers aren't indicative of, of the impact he has on certain games but um he checks right boxes i think he's an open shot maker i think he's a good slasher he's a good passer he's a good defender and it's six, 6 210 he's got the body uh, to continue to execute those strengths um but uh, you'd wish he was a little more dominant at the college level for a sophomore, um, for a first round pick. So I, I grade him more as an early second rounder. 41, Xavier Tillman, another Michigan State guy who I think in the right role, somebody's going to find a steal. I mean, yeah, I don't think he offers any upside, but he's a guy who I think can blast from day one till year 10 just by passing, rebounding, hustling, blocking shots, and then making enough open threes. Number 42, Paul Reed. He was a guy I had in the 20s early in the season. DePaul has won two games since conference play. That's really clouded his production. He also hit a wall as a shooter. Um, but 6'9", he's really skilled. Um, and uh, you know his defensive production is really unique. And 1.9 steals, 2.6 blocks per game. Um, between the defensive activity and the flashes offensively, I mean, there's still that potential. He gets better as a shooter, but he's got some nice post moves. He can face you up. Uh, he's an interesting second-round play. I've lost kind of um, confidence in him as a first-rounder. Zeke Nagy, 43. He's, this is pretty low for this. Uh, yeah, I could see him being you a know, late first-round pick, but there's just uh, there's not anything sexy about his upside either. Um, he's 6'11". He's very efficient this year, by the way. He does a really good job of, of putting back misses and scoring around the post, and he's got some nice mid-range touch. And he's 6'11". He plays hard. Um, so I think he's got the chance to be a role player in the NBA. However, he doesn't have three-point range. He doesn't have big shot-blocking ability. He doesn't pass. He's not somebody he's going to create off the dribble. So again, it's just, there's nothing like must-draft about Zeke Najee, um, which makes me have him more as a, as a second-round guy. Um, but at the same time, he has a pretty high floor. I think he's an NBA player, I guess, um, which, which, uh, which is good value if you can get him in the second round. 44, Jordan Wara. He's dropping. Uh, I'm losing faith. I I always kind of fall for these guys who blossom late, like Justin Jackson at North Carolina. Um, and and, you know, after three years, i finally, he starts making shots and then you, you draft him high and then you kind of regret it. Um, and I think that would be the same case with war. I'm losing confidence. He's struggling against good teams. He's had bad games against Kentucky, against Duke, against Texas tech. Um, Louisville's losing lately. You know, he's combined six of 25 in, in, uh, in Louisville's three uh, of their last five losses. And So, um, you know, at this age, I think he should be more more of a consistent impact guy. He's not a passer. I mean, he's not going to be a high level defender. But at 6'7, he can make every shot in the book. And to me, that's still worth drafting. 45, Trace Jackson Davis, first appearance on the board, uh, freshman from Indiana. More of an old school guy, another guy who is not like so much to be excited about, but um, 6'9, 245, he plays much bigger than the 6'9 I'd suggest. Good post player, good pick and roll finisher, good shot blocker, um, and, and big time rebounder. I wish he could start shooting more. I wish we could see what it would look like if he did start shooting more, but I think uh, for his age, his production, um, averaging around 14 and 9. Um, his efficiency, his body, I think he's some guy who you should consider worth drafting. 46, Scotty Lewis, you know, keeps slipping on my board. Really fun athlete, plays hard, great intangibles, just not good enough offensively right now for a first-round grade. He's averaging one assist per game. Actually, before, Right after I wrote this, he had his best game of the season, 18 points um, against LSU on Wednesday night. Um, there's still hope for him. I think he's a second-round pick, again, for the for the elite athleticism and defensive quickness and the potential that he becomes a shot maker. But there's really not much creativity to his game. He's a bad decision maker, not a good passer, not a good finisher, and just a little too far away for me as a shooter at this point. 47, Killian Hayes. I admit he'd be a lot higher if he just didn't keep getting hurt. Medicals will play a big role um, in his final evaluation, but even if you know they give him a clean bill of health, it's still he still could be a guy who just can't stay on the floor. Um, otherwise, he's been over 39% from three in all four seasons at Gonzaga. His skills pop every time you watch him play, between his post footwork, his touch, his passing, uh, and I think his defensive anticipation. Um, if he could stay on the floor, I think he's an NBA player and a great value in the second round. But there are scouts obviously have questions about his durability, uh, the constant lower leg injuries, lack of explosiveness, Uh, But again, I think he's a good value pick in this draft. 48, Caleb Wesson, Ohio State. Ohio State fell off the map uh, for a little bit. Wesson, you know, he kind of put himself on the map with, again, he he was already on it with 6'9", 270-pound size. I actually think he's in better shape or or slimmer than the 270-pound size suggests. But he's up to 40% from downtown this year. Between the shooting, uh, the physical play inside, and the high-level passing, he's become worth drafting. 49, Ashton Hagens I'm sure Kentucky fans wish he was a much higher than that. I know his first round in a couple other people's boards. I'm not really buying the offense. Uh, yeah, he's he, he can play making. That's a nice thing. Um, and his, his defense is still his bread and butter. So I think if, if you're... Drafting Haggins, you're valuing his ability to blow up screens, to force turnovers defensively. Uh, but to run an offense, you know, I don't think he offers enough at that end just yet. And at number 50, I have Desmond Bain um, from TCU, uh, who is, uh, I mean, he's been one of the most consistent shooters over the past couple of years. Now he's at 42%. Again, this is his third year, above 40%. Um, but he's also averaging nearly four assists per game. He's starting to play a little bit of point guard um, and he's really becoming a lot more versatile. And now he's got this interesting mix of six, six size, deep shooting range, um, playmaking ability. And uh, to me, that's worthy of a second round pick. That's my top 50. Um, A couple other guys in banking, you know, Nick Richards, he's right on the cusp. I mean, There's a couple other guys who you could make a case deserve to be in the 40s. Um, Nick Richards is one. uh, Pritchard Payton from Oregon is another who just missed the cut for me. Um, But uh, still more basketball to play. Um, March Madness is just around the corner. Unfortunately, a lot of my top guys aren't going to be in March Madness. Of course, many are hurt. A handful are overseas. And guys like Anthony Edwards may not may not play in the NCAA tournament. And Yoko Okongu may not play in the NCAA tournament. Um, and so a uh, little bit uh, of a disappointment. And so a lot of stock to put into these next, um, the end of conference play. But um, that'll do it. The board will continue to shift. My top five is really fluid right now. I mean, if you'd ask me today who's the best player in the draft, I'm saying LaMelo Ball, but not with like a ton of confidence. Um, so it's going to make for an interesting draft. I think the draft order... Team Fit, that's going to play a big role where everybody winds up. So um, hopefully I'll have a guest next week. I know I'm going to have a good one in two weeks, so definitely, definitely uh, tune back in, somebody that you all follow, I promise. Um, and uh, otherwise, let's keep the, the draft conversation going. Reach out to me on Twitter at NBA Draft Was. And uh, thanks for listening.